There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News, is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tony nominee Christopher Jackson brings Freestyle Love Supreme to the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. next week from May 10th through 15th. We discussed how the New York freestyle phenomenon sparked Lin-Manuel Miranda's Broadway smashes from In the Heights to Hamilton. Christopher Jackson, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Thanks for having me. We're here talking because you're bringing your freestyle love supreme uh, to the Kennedy Center from May 10th through the 15th. Now, uh, I've seen the the what is it the Hulu documentary about how this thing got started. But in case our listeners haven't, uh, explain uh, what freestyle <laughs> love supreme is. Freestyle love supreme is a hip hop uh, improv show, it's a live stage show. We have been, man, we've been doing it I guess since 2003, I believe. Uh, pretty much the, the entire time, uh, Lynn Miranda, myself, Anthony Viniciali, Chris Sullivan, <clears throat> Thomas Kales, our director and, and co-creator. And we, um, we would take these breaks when we were developing and workshopping in the Heights while Lynn was still writing it. Um, and before you know it, we were up on stage performing an off-Broadway theater at Ars Nova, uh, touring the world, like doing the most, playing comedy festivals everywhere. It's basically we take four, short form games and we musicalize everything. Everything in this show is rapped or sung. And um, it's a, just a really unique blend of, of comedy and, and heart and makes for a really good time. And, and the best part about it is that the audience makes the show every single night. Now, when you say they make the show, what do you mean? Like, uh, whose lines? Anyway, we're tossing out ideas and you're riffing off we, it or what do you mean? We, yeah, we ask them for suggestions, be it words, be it uh, stories from their own lives, be it... Um, uh, current news topics. We take all of that and we, and we musicalize it and turn it all into, we use short form games and, and turn it all into songs. And, and, you know, one show could have me climbing on Anthony Viniciali's back. The next show could have us, you know, all playing, you know, ferrets running across the stage. You never know what's going to happen because we don't know what's going to happen. Poor guy. He's like, George Washington, get off my back. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. How does it Pretty wait? Much. So how does it work in a you know the, the Kennedy Center is like a massive room. Are, are you like are people writing things down on paper before they go in? Are they shouting out from the seats or how do they take this? We, how do you take suggestions? Yeah, all of those, all of those ways. We uh, we we ask for suggestions when people are coming in. Just you know, just kind of that that familiar uh, improv 
trick where you basically get people to give you words. We throw them in a bucket and throw them out and put them in a freestyle at the very beginning of the show. You know, the whole point is to show the audience how this is going to happen from the beginning. And then we and then we just take it from there. Now, who who are the performers on this tour? Is it the same as the original group of guys like is Lynn and Thomas and all them there or, or is it a different lineup slightly? Well, the, it's always a different lineup. And that's the beautiful part. You know, over the last few years, we really worked hard. This is pre-COVID. We worked hard to, to develop a deep bench to open up uh, the group to other artists who had new ideas and new ways of going about doing it. We we fortunately have added, you know, some some ladies into our into our ever expanding crew and they've quickly just kind of taken the reins and made the show better in every single way. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we have uh, we have Freestyle of Supreme Academy, which we started several years ago uh, to basically, you know, not only just show people the magic of what we're doing on stage and, and, and allow them to kind of experience it and develop skills for themselves, but also as a means to have a farm system so that we could under, we could attract other artists who had this very specific skill set um, and, and could, could be a part of our group. And Always. it's turned out fantastic. Two Broadway shows, uh, two Broadway runs, and now a national tour um, at the most prestigious theater in the country. I don't know if you can get any better than that. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to have a deep bench for sure. But do, do no you know who, so who specifically is going to be joining you at the Kennedy Center? Do, do you have the list of names that you could throw out to us? Jason, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I mean, so so last week. Uh, I but you'll be there, shooting, though, right? You'll be there. I will be there. Absolutely. Um, last week, I finished shooting uh, Bull, our sixth and final season. Uh, I'm on vacation right now trying to just sort of regroup. Right, <laughs> and, right. and I spoke to Tommy briefly before I left. And I asked him the same question, like, who's who's in there? He's like, we'll see. <laughs> so that's, it's you know, for the audience to, to know, like, we're putting like some some superheroes on stage that that are a part of this group. It, it is a, a, a tremendous undertaking to be able to pull the show off every night. So I promise you that whoever is on stage, there will not be a single disappointing feature of, uh, on, on, on the stage in the crew. It's it's a it's a incredible experience. Oh, for sure. And you mentioned Tommy, Thomas Kale. We've spoken to him a couple times because he's from down here. He's like from homegrown. the Virginia area. Yeah. yeah. So does, does that mean, well, is he definitely going to be there? Is he coming back home? We still don't know. Still not sure. You okay. know, Tommy's got, Tommy's got a little one. So he's chasing a toddler around. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know uh, how, how, how uh, easily that happens, but um, I know I'll be there. Uh, I'm getting in the day early. I am raring to go. You know, the beautiful part about, about doing this show is that it just feeds every other part of your creative nature. Uh, it helps me as a better writer, as an actor. It, it's There's nothing quite like doing improv. Uh, and there's nothing quite like, you know, doing making up songs on the spot in front of 2,000 people. That's just kind of, it's a high wire act that is hard to, that's hard to beat. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it, it doesn't hurt. I'm sure. I know. I know all freestyle love Supreme sort of predates the the massive success of in the Heights and, and Hamilton and everything. But it, it probably it probably doesn't hurt that you know that that provided such big exposure to everyone that now it, it almost like reverse engineers and now they're cycling the you know cycling fans back through freestyle love Supreme. Did, uh, did, yeah. did you think Hamilton helped you know and in the Heights of course help recycle that audience back around? Well, more importantly, I don't think that either In the Heights or Hamilton uh, are what they are without Freestyle of Supreme. There's there's so much call. that, yeah, yeah. you know, as as actors and creators, there's there's only so much that you can put down on a page or, or work on in a rehearsal room. You have to you have to get to know what audiences uh, respond to. 
And, you know, the thousand or so performances that we logged, that we logged before Hamilton ever saw, you know, ever expanded outside of anybody but Tommy and Lack and Lynn, um, it, the through line is there. And it isn't just Lynn, it's the creative energy that Lynn uh, and Tommy have engendered in, in everybody that's been able to touch freestyle. It certainly is, has been uh, a true, like, vein of, of, of creativity for me and my work uh, with them and independent of them. I love it. Well, whenever I have someone on, and again, we're I know we're kind of tight on time, but uh, just I would love to hear some memories of your career a little bit. So, didn't you was your Broadway breakthrough? Was it The Lion King? Yeah, that was my first Broadway show. I I, I booked that show uh, a nineteen months after I graduated college. Wow. Um, so that was my first. Yeah, that was my first Broadway experience, uh, and that lasted almost four years. Um, you did Simba uh, a little bit, right? You did Simba. Yeah, I played Simba for two of those years. Yeah, I always say that you know. Lion King was sort of like my grad school experience. I went to college for a couple of years at conservatory and then, and then, you know, learned how to like, you know, fold my clothes and, and pay rent uh, <laughs> and work four jobs. And then, uh, and then Lion King came calling and, and I was able to, you know, to really kind of learn what the life was all about. Um, and then I met Tommy and Lynn. I left in the spring of 2002 and, and met Tommy and Lynn that fall. And I guess, and then I guess what, if that was grad school, then I, whatever the next, I guess their doctorate would be in the high school. I don't know the analogy. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, just to not to completely beat the analogy into the ground, but no, I mean, what the important part of, of, of that introduction really was finding other artists that were like-minded, that were not afraid to, they weren't afraid to try and they weren't listening for no, they were working toward yeses and, and, and telling stories that, that, that I could relate to. Uh, and I like say playing, that that's what was it like playing Benny and in the Heights though? Benny is such a, be a beloved role now, especially after the movie too. But you you got to sure. invent it. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I, I never when I was in college, I, I I thought that every musical theater composer had to look like Stephen Sondheim or John Kander, <laughs> uh, you know, and 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 respectfully, but like to see and know uh, Lynn and 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 see what he was doing, I, I I was in disbelief for a long time. I was like, how could this possibly work? He's young. He's Puerto Rican, you know, we're rapping, you know, right. what is this thing, you know, and, and then, you know, time would bear it out that, you know, I, I, I found myself in a, in a really awesome crew of, of, of guys. It was, it was really, you know, it's the reason why I'm still doing what I'm doing. Absolutely. Well, final seconds, my listeners will kill me if I don't at least, at least ask one question about your iconic George Washington in, uh, in sure. Ham Hamilton. What's it like to be forever linked with the, you know, the, 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 the first president of the country, but seeing uh, I mean, a new context, though? I tell you, man, we we make things for people to enjoy. We, we try to create things. We try to create moments that that allow folks to experience something that they maybe never would have experienced, think something they never would have thought. Uh, and to be able to lay claim to having spent time with that character for so many people is the most gratifying thing. I, I, it's as gratifying as anything I could have possibly hoped for. Uh, if I never get to do another thing, I've, 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 I've lived several lives in a very, you know, relatively short amount of time. I'm just, it's just a lot of gratitude, man. I'm, I'm glad that people can, can, uh, can see what, you know, appreciate what I was able to do and, and it's it's worldwide. It's all over. I'm in the Caribbean. Someone just walked past me and said, hey, George Washington. I was like, hey, you know, so I you know, it, it's it. I don't do this to be famous, man. I do this to try to help people feel things. And, 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 and in doing so, I get to experience that myself. And and I think that's the most amazing thing ever. And it's because it's because it's a film now. My grandkids can one day look at that and say, hey, yeah, there was grandpa doing something when he wasn't old. And 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. The kid, well, no, yeah, the kids are probably still like, hey, it's the Moana voice. But yeah, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. But yeah, no, it's I think it's great. And and like you're saying, like the and the legacy of that will only continue to grow like decades from now after we see, you know, you and David and Lynn and Leslie Odom, like and Philippa Sue, as you guys continue to do all these different roles, you're going to look back at on the Hamilton stage and be like, oh, my God, <laughs> look at how many people were there. Um, but well, yeah, it, it's great. But it's all about Freestyle Love Supreme. Uh, this this no month, May no 10th through 15th at the Kennedy Center. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Have a great day. Stay tuned for my other conversation with Jackson, but first a message from a fellow WTOP podcast. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome back to Beyond the Fame for my other conversation with Christopher Jackson, this time with Thomas Kale during the release of the Hulu documentary, We Are Freestyle Love Supreme in 2020. Hey, gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here. The only real way, after you've seen this movie, the only way we should start this interview is saying, one, two, three, mic check. <laughs> You've proven that you have seen it. <laughs> first of all, I just want to say, first impression, man, like how young you guys look in this thing. It's wild. But um, I guess, uh, you know, in case maybe some of our listeners haven't seen it yet, explain the, the basic premise of the documentary, you know, what Freestyle Love Supreme is and who, who the members were. Chris, you want to knock it out? Okay, I'll give you that one. You know, the, the, the founder, the architect is, is uh, Tommy Kale. In fact, that's what we referred to him as. And, uh, Anthony Bertiali and uh, Lynn Miranda. And they were quickly joined by myself and Chris Sullivan, uh, Bill Sherman. And now there's a whole... A very deep bench of uh, folks that are that are wonderful members of uh, what we call Freestyle Supreme. And Freestyle yes. started as a way to take all the things we loved about improvisation and improvisational comedy and merge them with our love of hip hop and jazz and R and B. And so we tried to create a structure where each of our cast members could basically have the perfect arena to do their thing. You know, one of the one of the one of the elements of freestyle that I was always so happy about is the thing that makes you strange outside of freestyle makes you powerful within it. The thing that we're not always allowed to bring into the audition or bring into the job that we're on is something that's fully embraced. And so it's about a kind of creative expression without filter. It's about who can you be if you are fully trusted and in complete safety on stage and what kind of truth and fun and entertainment can come out. And for 15 years, we've been practicing that and, Andrew Freed, our friend who is the filmmaker, was around in those very early days, in those first couple of years, and was with us in 2005 when we went to Edinburgh and spent a couple of days with us, and then has been really along with us for the last 14, 15 years. And this is a sort of visual scrapbook that takes you from the beginning until where we are now. For sure. And in the movie, Lynn says, you know, life isn't linear. It's all these side journeys. And um so, you know, it makes sense because we know you guys from your current work in Hamilton and the like, but then you're sort of jumping back and forth and seeing your roots. So it's it's kind of wild to see that it's like that past this prologue kind of an idea. Um, remind us when exactly it started. Like what year did you guys all meet? 2002, 2003 is when Free Solo Supreme started. The first show was the blackout of 2003 in August. 
And then we started to formalize the show a little bit more over this next few months. And we did our first run at Ars Nova in 2004. So that was the first sustained five, six times a week for seven or eight weeks. But I met Anthony in 95. We had the idea for something around 99, 2000, but we sort of hadn't met the right people. <laughs> so we didn't know how to make it anything. And then Anthony and Lynn started to really spark around the early days of development of In the Heights. And I met Chris in 2002. So we've been having an 18 year conversation and I'm, I'm, I'm quite delighted by that. <laughs> and Chris, do you sit there and watch the documentary and say, damn, I was so young back then? <laughs> well, I, you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but you know, time affects us all and it's undefeated. So I'm trying not to, to, to wallow too much in the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm 18 years older uh, and, and look and look it. <laughs> There's no proof. I don't believe that at all. It's, it's a really rare thing to have, you know, Tommy mentioned, you know, the magic word, which is trust. And it's a very rare thing to have a relationship that spans a performing relationship that spans such a great amount of time. Um, in a lot of aspects, this film is like a is like a time capsule for us because at each point you're tracking, you know, from the very beginning all the way through, you know, births and and marriages and breakups and all of the, you know, just life. Uh, and 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 freestyle supreme has been the through line uh, and and a, and a very consistent presence. Uh, throughout this whole journey. And the film really encapsulates all of those really profound moments and, and those moments that are that, that I can look back on and, and instead of just seeing stills, man, they're, 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 there's a lot of life being lived um, that we're watching and a lot, of, a lot of creative growth and our growth as artists and our growth as just human beings um, and, and the deepening of those relationships. It's a real, you know, it, it's a real gift, you know, from my perspective, to be able to look back on that and, and know exactly where I was when we played that show and what was going on in my life around that time. And, and it just, it, it's a very rare thing to have that kind of insight. For sure. And so what is it um, about the art of freestyle rap in general mixed with like an awareness of pop culture? Like you have Lynn in there saying, who knew Hamilton and In the Heights was inspired by Darkwing Duck? You know, when there's trouble, you call DW. Um, yeah. But like, you know, Talk about how, you know, the seeds of contextualizing pop culture and doing it through freestyle rap is, is what you guys were doing even way back then. My thought about that is that I think what freestyle Love Supreme encourages is that anything in your life is valuable and valid and is deserving of story. And I think at the highest moments, the peak moments of our show, what's being communicated verbally and non-verbally to the audience is your story matters. And I think that's something if you look at in the Heights and you look at Hamilton, that is a real uh, consistent threat is it's about taking all of the things that you are as a songwriter, as a performer, as, as a human being and bringing them to the work. And I think that we tried to make shows, uh, even if they had a script with Heights and, and Hamilton, that allowed who you were to come on stage with you. And I think that's, that's something that you see shown in those early freestyle or supreme moments. And the other personal front row seats I had is watching the relationship between Chris and Lynn evolve. So when you see George Washington played on stage by Chris and Hamilton played by Lynn 13, 14 years later in Hamilton, that was forged in Edinburgh. That was forged in New York City and in Brooklyn and in London and in Montreal and in Australia and all the other places we did the show leading them to Benny and Usnavi with, with Heights. So I think there's that, that rich history, which basically says, bring who you are. 
I was just going to, you know, add to that, you know, as far as like pop culture is concerned, you know, you're, you're either participating in it or you're a spectator, right. Or, or some sort of hybrid of the two. And there's, there's, um, you know, we come up in a generation where there was this explosion of this new art form, um, you know, and, and, and so that's what we were weaned on musically and artistically. Um, but, you know, it, you know, from my perspective, until Lynn and Tommy came along, there was never going to be, I, I doubt that there would have ever been a moment where, you know, hip hop and R&B could live on a Broadway stage. Those are, you know, three of the sort of, you know, uh, uh, columns of my artistic self. You know, so in a lot of ways, as you know, pop culture becomes the the answer to all of these different moments where artists like me and so many others can now find uh, find an outlet for it. You know, freestyle being the, the the happy sort of coming together of all of those different elements. The fact that they can live on a Broadway stage is just sort of, I think, the answer to uh, the natural progression of, of the influence of what that art form is. I think hip hop is the last great art form, American art form. And so while it was still sort of coming around to all of the different cultural touchstones, it certainly was, was well cemented here in New York City. It kind of makes sense that this is where it all, all started for us. Oh, it totally makes sense that that's where the seeds were planted. Um, to see, you know, the success of Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. I mean, you knew you knew it would do, you know, gangbusters wherever it debuted. But, I mean, I think Disney Plus's subscribership went up like, I don't remember the exact number, like 70-some percent or something purely based on – on this thing, I mean, that's gotta gotta make you guys uh, thrilled, right? It made me wish I had Disney stock before it dropped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I missed that one. The idea of making something available uh, is one of the challenges that you face in theater, whether it's Priscilla Supreme or Hamilton. Hamilton, obviously, is something that for years we've tried to figure out how to expand the show as quickly as we could theatrically, so that more people could see it. And when all of our shows were running, all productions, there were you know, about nine or 10,000 people a night seeing it live. Now, that's a lot of people to see theater, but it's still not including everybody because theater is too expensive and it's hard to get to and it's logistically challenging. And all of a sudden for $6.99, you can have connection to this version of the show and you can watch it once. You can not make it all the way through or you can watch it 10 times. And what it's also done is then it's expanded the conversation. It's democratized the conversation because so many people are seeing the same thing. They're seeing the exact same performance. And so I've just been so moved by how the, the show, as a piece of art, as a piece of fiction, has been able to have this intersection with a moment where we're all asking new questions. And our show has never claimed to have answers, only was existing to ask new questions. And I feel like that's the, that's the point of putting anything into the world, is trying to do it in a way that feels authentic to the author's intent and honor the performers that are making it and have the audience think about something different on the way out than they did on the way in. And those questions are so valid and are so essential. And so I've been really moved and, and, uh, and, and, and thrilled that the conversation is, is, is broadening and deepening the way that it is. Oh, yeah. And just to be able to, I mean, you directed the streaming version as well as on stage, but like, so your decisions to when, when exactly to punch him for close-ups and, you know, you get to see King George's spittle or, I, you know, I had, you know, just aver- you know regular people who'd never been to the theater are saying, what are those little things clipped on their heads? And you're like, those are the hair mics for costume changes. But it's like, you know, it's like mainstreamed what? theater going for people on their couches. They're, they're understanding all how much hard work it is. And I mean, I guess there'd been things in the past, like, 
I don't know. I, you know, I grew up watching the Mary Martin Peter Pan where they'd film the Broadway stage or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's amazing that we can do this with this Hamilton show. And, you know, speak to that a little bit about how, you know, people that are maybe just more of the cash potato variety are now suddenly brought into this world of, you know, King George Spittle and hair mics. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, theater has been going on since the, the, the written word was, was, uh, <laughs> was put down on paper. And it, it is a hard profession to understand if you're not a part of it. You know, all of the little things like hair mics and half-hour calls and, you know, the prospect of doing eight shows a week, 52 weeks out of the year, is a very strange and foreign kind of... It, does, it certainly doesn't make sense to people who don't understand what it is, but it is, uh, it, is a pra- it is a practice that is built on generosity. It is a practice that is built on, you know, being able to create moments for people in real time. When, when folks sit down in a theater, they're essentially making an agreement to experience something together. And unlike films, you know, when you go to see a theater show, that moment's never going to exist again the same way. And so everyone that is there to bear witness to it has a special claim to that moment. It's such a difficult thing to do, and it's such a difficult moving portrait that you're creating. There's a reason why Broadway is Broadway, but, you know, theater's special wherever you go see it. Because it's theater, and it's an experience unlike anything else that you can, you can hope to have. What this film does in such a beautiful way is that it really shows the theater for what, it, what it's meant to be, which is a very difficult thing to do in film. And, and I can't think of any, any one person in the world better at it than, than Tommy and the way that he's lovingly captured it for every single person that gets to experience it. And you're going to see so many things every single time you go back and watch it. You know, you'll see so many different things. You have people who are, you know, who are fortunate enough to live in New York and have access to the theater. I, I've met people that have seen the show 25. That's a tremendous amount of commitment, obviously. But to a person, they've never, they've never come back and said, yeah, it's getting a little tired or it's a little bit fresh. It's always, wow, I didn't know this moment happened. I never caught that moment. This is a new, you know, this is a new thing that I saw. And it's been there from the, from the very first day. But again, that's just sort of the magic of theater and the way that it, that it, um, it continues to, to reinvent itself on a nightly basis. Absolutely. Um, before we run, and you guys have been really generous with your time, so I won't keep you forever, but before we go, I, w- I do want to touch on something Tommy said a few seconds ago, which is the timing of all this. You know, it, it r- arrives on streaming, you know, not only for the July weekend, which is symbolic on its own, but at this sea change in American society that I can't even really remember in my lifetime, maybe because we're all stuck at home with coronavirus and we have more time to contemplate some of this stuff, but definitely the murder of George Floyd as well. I mean, it seems like there's a giant cultural awakening where, you know, Confederate statues are coming down, you know, slave owners are being questioned. The football team name in Tommy and I's hometown has changed. I mean, it seems like there's this giant change happening. We're on the precipice of of reimagining everything that we thought was truth. And um, here we are with you guys this 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 show this phenomenon where people of color are playing the founding father so talk about how it sort of speaks to the moment and um you know christopher you're you're playing george washington who owns slaves so it's a complicated history how do we navigate this i think in a moment like this everyone's going to have their own version of how things should be done and i think if we had been more honest about the telling of our history since it began i think that we have a more well-rounded understanding of what these men did well and what they didn't do well Something as extraordinary as our Constitution had never before been written. In the history of man, no one had ever sat down and, and bothered to write self-evident truths down in, in an effort to form the government. But I think for, for the most part, the whitewashing of the American you know, myth and the American dream 
you know, came at the expense of the, of the people who helped build it, literally helped build it. So we can, you know, we can have arguments about whether or not statues should be torn down. We can have arguments about whether or not statues should have been erected in the first place. Um, quite honestly, the idea of statuary is, is more of a, in my opinion, is more of a, a, a bygone belief of, of, of how we should best remember our founders and, and people of importance. Um, but beyond the politics of the moment, truth is the only thing that will that will out any of this for us. And if we can't look at any of this, this uh, any of these issues truthfully and truly like acknowledge, you know, the people who have met harm for the sake of the Amer- what the American dream was, we won't get anywhere. But I think that if we try to reduce the, the conversation to whether or not a statue or a monument should stand, I think we've missed the whole point. That is perfectly Before said. Before we get lost in whether whether or not we tear down a statue, we got we got to get it down to what really happened. <laughs> let's do that part first. You know, let's teach our kids the real the real history of it through the eyes of every, you know, as, as many perspectives as we can before we try to start determining what should stay up and what should come down. That is perfectly said. So I think that's the perfect place to leave it. You know, unless, unless Thomas, unless you have any thoughts, I know last time we talked, you said you used to drive to school past all these monuments, you know, on the Washington Monument and the like. I mean, do you have any anything you want to add or do you think that was perfectly said? <laughs> I think it was beautifully said. And when you grow up in, in Northern Virginia, and these monuments exist, I wasn't taught to question them until too late in my life. And so, so many people see them as things that exist and don't ask about why they exist or should they exist. And the fact that we are asking these significant questions, which are, which are long overdue and that the, the conversation is growing, means we're, we're moving in a direction where there can be more information given. And we have to start, as Chris said, thinking about what we're teaching our what we're teaching ourselves, what we're teaching our children. And we have to we have to start telling the truth. Well, thank you for all you guys are doing on that front, you know, as well. Um, and so, you know, just keep up the good work, recontextualizing, you know, and forcing and helping all of us to question everything uh, that we once thought was, like you're saying, it's the American myth. What is it? Then the legend becomes fact. Print the legend, John Ford said. So um thanks so much um again everybody it's yeah. um it's uh hamilton disney plus and then also we are freestyle love supreme on hulu and thanks so much you guys you're great appreciate it thank you appreciate it thanks so Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.